This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. <laughs> They're dogs and they're playing poker! (laughs) Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and are you ready to talk real estate? Today, we've assembled a team of non-exclusive investors to balance all the one-sided talk in the real estate universe. Today, we welcome from So So Fab, get it? Sewing and so fabulous. Any anybody? Okay, it's Crystal Hammond. I'm actually really glad she's here. Maybe she can help me sew up a deal to buy the basement so I can rent it out to Joe. Joining Crystal will be the host of our new outerwear-focused sister podcast, Stacking Tweeds. It's OG! Then, from LenPenzo.com, we welcome the host of Slacky Knees, Len Penzo. Nah, it's actually, I don't even know what that means. We just got Len Penzo. Let's move on. But that's not all. Halfway through today's discussion, we'll get you started with your health and wellness plan for 2023 with help from Angelo Poli from MedPro. And now, a guy who wants to help you stack all the things, it's Joe Salci. Hey, stackers, and a happy Friday to you. I am Joe Salci, Average Joe Money on Twitter, and I'm so happy you're here with us celebrating not just the weekend, but uh, talking real estate in 2023, something we don't do a lot of here, but we do it, you know, from time to time. And across the card table from me, how about that? We have a new show coming out. OG stacking tweeds. That sounds interesting. I don't even know what a tweet is, so sure, it's perfect. Let's do it. We're going to dive into it together. It's an NPR style show where we dive into what the hell is tweed. Aren't the plus fours that you wear on the golf course made of tweed? OG, I'm pretty sure I've been with you when you had your whole Payne Stewart outfit on. Is that all tweed? I don't know what a plus four is either. So. He's got no clue. <laughs> Swing and a miss on two. 2023 is going well for you. <laughs> Back to the drawing board, writing team. And the guy who is deep under Los Angeles, furiously looking up what tweet is. Uh, the guy with what slappy knees. Is that what Paulette's on fire writing this week? Len Penzo's here. How are you, man? Uh, good. I was actually furiously trying to find the tweed tweeter app. Uh, I assume uh, maybe uh, Elon Musk bought it. I, I don't know or not, but. I bet he got a significantly better deal on that app. Significantly fewer. <laughs> I'm sure he did. Fewer, fewer <laughs> I'm doing, people. And I'm doing well. I'm doing well, Joe. Thank you for asking. So happy new year to everybody out there. Hey, a big question for you, Len. Have you ever invested in real estate outside of your main home? Uh, no, which is probably, you know, and so you've got the right guy on the show for, uh, 
for today, I guess. My sister, she has done all kinds of real estate investing, but not me. Well, that's actually why I wanted you on this week's panel, because we wanted the everyman on to talk about real estate. And from your perspective, what is it? Oh, gee, you've owned some real estate in the past. You still own some real estate today, right? I I do. Yes. Yes. And and, I have two non-income producing properties. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And, And the woman who can not only help us talk about real estate and income producing properties, but who also might be able to help us with Tweed. Crystal Hammond's here. How are you? I'm wonderful. You ever teach people how to use Tweed? Never. No, that's outdated. We're trying to help people avoid getting rashes. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> might be, might be, maybe we don't want to stack Tweed then. Is that what you're trying to say? Not for your clothing. Well, tell everybody about So So Fab about what you do. Well, so so fab is all about teaching people beginners how to how to soap. It's funny, one time I went to teach a class and the kids were like, Hey, we thought you were gonna look like a grandma. So people <laughs> this is not your grandma's sewing class. It's it's a fun class. I mean, you can't see what I'm wearing, but I made what I wear. I had in twenty sixteen I decided to stop buying clothes and just make everything and then teach everybody how to do it. So it's easy. You know what, Crystal? I get that all the time. I get that all the time, people thinking I look like a grandma. So, you know, I feel for you. I'm so glad that you're here because not only that, you also own some real estate, right? You own some properties. Yes, I do. I got my first property back in 2015. It was a house hack. And now I have um, income producing real estate. And then I have some some land that I'm, I'll be developing also, some empty lots on the south side of Chicago. Well, I'm super excited you're here helping us. We got Crystal here. We got OG here. We got Len. We got Doug. You know what, Doug? I was thinking now that we're here in the new year, it's time for us to turn over a new leaf. You know what I was thinking that we probably need to start doing this year? Changing out my fig leaf? Well, maybe, 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 It is getting a little thin. Did I just throw up in my mouth? Did that just happen? (laughs) Maybe that's number one. And number two would be this. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... 
Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Don't you think all those things are important? Whatever we just said? I didn't even know how important they were as they were being said. It's, it's amazing. We're going to talk real estate on today's show, so let's go. A piece that inspires us for today's episode comes to us from realestateinvesting.com. This is written by a gentleman named Sean Carroll. Sean writes, real estate is known to be one of the greatest wealth creators known to mankind with the majority of the wealthy having a great share of their portfolio in real estate. It's no wonder we've seen large numbers of people flocking into the space trying to strike it rich. But what are the different ways somebody can diversify into real estate? Well, if you're like me, you know that having your portfolio diversified into multiple asset classes helps mitigate your risk, but then there are also ways to diversify further once in a particular asset class. The piece is called How to Diversify into Real Estate. I'm going to start with you, OG. Let's start off with this idea of, of real estate in general. Why diversify away from stocks? Is there a reason for us to diversify out of the stock market? Well, owning stuff is much more preferable to borrowing stuff or lending people stuff. So uh, on the investing front, having ownership of companies in the S&P or you know, whatever is a great idea. And so owning other things is a great idea too, as he talks about in terms of diversification. I'm not sure that owning a single house provides a lot of diversification in the grand scheme of things. In fact, I'd argue it's a little bit more concentrated, frankly. But if you're looking at like equity real estate or, you know, like a REIT or something like that, there's a pretty profound diversification benefit. And it responds differently to market conditions different than the regular stock market does. So, you know, that's what you're trying to do with diversification. You want one thing to zig when another thing zags. And if everything goes up at the exact same pace as everything else, you don't really have any diversification anyway. So, so it provides that. Crystal, with your property, you mentioned land in Chicago, also your rental houses. Why did you decide not to put that money into the stock market? Why into real estate instead? Well, appreciation is one. I feel like when you are investing in real estate, you have appreciation and depreciation, both working in your favor for wealth building. And also, I needed a place to live. So why not own the place <laughs> that I lived? Um, I did a little house hacking. So that, that worked out for me because I believe my first mortgage, my renter actually paid, I would say she paid about 80% of that rent and I had only paid 20%. I oh, didn't nice. realize that I was throwing away money on rent and having the other person help me out there. But this idea of throwing money away on rent, I mean, I think that that by itself though, for the average person is still kind of outdated though. I mean, somebody that's going to move around a lot. I don't think they're necessarily throwing money away if they rent. True. That was just true for my particular example, just because um, I was in an area where my landlord kept raising the rent and didn't do anything to the property. And I'm like, dude, you're getting you know more money for not doing anything. Chris, I could, Crystal's I need like, to move. I could be the person doing nothing, <laughs> charging more. Yeah. You mean I get to raise the rent every year and do absolutely nothing? Yeah. Put Len, me on the you, other side. Len, have you had opportunities to diversify into real estate during your uh, investing career? Well, I, I guess I've had opportunities, but I've I've just never have. And the thing about owning real estate for me is 
I'm kind of lazy in that, you know, if you, if you own real estate and you have, a, you know, you've got to take care of that and you've got renters, you're a landlord. So you've got to take care of the place, even if you have a management company and it's just too much effort that I wanted to deal with. So, you know, and that's because like I said, I'm lazy. I just didn't want to deal with that. There was easier ways for me to invest and that was basically through stocks. So, you know, that I don't have to worry about fixing a, a toilet if it clogs or something like that. You know, with stocks, whereas if real estate, I just didn't want to have to get phone calls in the middle of the night and come on down and fix things up. That's just not me. Doug, have you owned a rental property? No, I've never done a rental property. Same as Lynn. I'm not good with toilets. Just in general, <laughs> they scare me. You've had real estate, though, in your portfolio, though, right? REITs? Your portfolio. If only there were somebody on this podcast who could tell me if I had real estate in my portfolio. I do believe that I do have some REITs in my portfolio, and I have had in the past because my financial advisor has me properly diversified. Let's talk about what does real estate have, Crystal, that other asset classes don't have? You talked about appreciation and depreciation at the same time. You might have blown people's mind with that. Explain what you're talking about there. So for tax reasons, your property depreciates over what? It's like 20, 26 years. So you're able to write off a deduction that reduces your AGI. So that's a way for you to lower your tax burden. So you you get to claim for 26 years an amount, because I know people always talk about cars, they depreciate once you drive them off the lot. Well, the good thing about a home is that it depreciates the whole time you own it, most of the time you own it. And you get to claim that on your taxes. So that, that reduces your tax burden. Oh, gee, why do you like real estate and portfolios? Well, and to talk a little bit about the depreciation component of it, I think as long as you're actively involved in it, Crystal, you probably are, you know, renting it and being in charge and that sort of stuff. If you start outsourcing all of that to property managers, which is, you know, another way to kind of keep that somewhat passive to Lens Point, then there's some real issues with counting that depreciation in the current year. You get to accumulate it, you get to add it up and kind of use it all in one lump sum in the back end. But there's a big difference between being a passive real estate investor and an active real estate investor. And if you're going to invest in real estate, I think you have to know what those differences are and, and how they can affect you. As far as the rationale behind what we had was really around the location. I, you know, we picked a really uh, familiar area for us that I thought that was also pretty undervalued. I thought that over 15 years, my plan was if I owned this property or these properties, that in 15 years, if I broke even on the cash flow, that would be a win. As long as somebody else paid the mortgage, the taxes, the insurance, the upkeep, the maintenance, you know, the property management, all that sort of stuff. In 15 years, the loan would be paid off and I would have this asset that was now free and clear. And then my thought was if it appreciated at a reasonable rate, which we, you know, in our guesstimations use maybe three or 4% on real estate appreciation, you know, over long periods of time, then it will have doubled kind of over that time or almost. What turned out to be the case for me is that all of those things came true in two and a half years. So I bought it. And then two years later, somebody said, I'll pay you double for it. Cause I think this is a really great property. And I said, I'm out. Like I'm good. Like that was my 15 year goal. And it happened in inside of 30 months. So I kind of lucked out, honestly. But a lot of times when investment works out, that's the opposite way that most people think, right? If it works out like that, you're like, dude, let's do that again. Like that is the opposite of touching the stove. That's like you hit Willy Wonka's <laughs> chocolate factory and now you get a lifetime pass to go back in. Well, the the timing on it was a little auspicious also in that we sold 
literally we closed in the middle of March last year. And so rates were already starting to kind of have an, you know, some thought anyway of them going up. There was definitely some rumblings on the horizon about inflation. It was happening at the time the Federal Reserve really wasn't acknowledging it as a soft landing and all that kind of nonsense before they started really kind of tearing the bandaid off. I don't know that it would happen the same way because especially in rental properties, interest rates have a direct correlation to the sale price, right? The, the higher the interest rate, the lower the sales price is going to be, uh, generally speaking, because you know that cost of capital is going to be more. So I think we got out at the right time. I happened to do a flip with the cash. So so <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm reading ahead in the article a little bit. I know that's shocking yeah. to you, Joe, because I never do that. Right. But I'm, I'm reading ahead a little bit. One of the things he talks about is flipping. So I made the mistake, air quotes, of telling my real estate buddy that I had sold this property. I had all this excess cash. He's like, boy, do I have a deal for you. It just jumped out of the woodwork at me and it's got your name all over it. So did a little bit of that and made a few few dollars on that as well. But I think both of those were more luck than uh, sophisticated strategy. Well, let's talk about that. Let's go into flipping houses because that's the first uh, piece on this list that Sean has of four ideas when it comes to real estate. He said, we've all seen the shows on HGTV and heard of the richest score by people taking ugly rundown homes and remodeling them to sell at a profit. It's probably the most time intensive approach of real estate, but you can hire out the majority of the work and manage the project in different contractors. Len, I know you said you don't like doing toilets and Doug, you echoed that sentiment, but Len, when you think about flipping, I mean, did you ever watch these shows on TV and you and the honeybee said, let's go flip a couple properties? You know what I do? I still watch those shows. The Honeybee watches them more than me. And you know what? The thing is, I'm not a flipper. It sounds like OG's done this now. He's He's been flipping. But it, to me, it seems like they romanticized it and made it look way easier than it is. I think it's mm-hmm. a 100%, lot more. Yeah. You know, they condense it down to 30 minutes and it just seems so easy that, oh, you buy a house, you do all the work in 30 minutes and then you make it this huge profit. But I know for a fact, I have friends who have flipped and I know they've had headaches. Actually, in the last housing crash, I had one friend. She had bought seven homes, and she was in the middle of flipping them, and the market turned, and they ended up going bankrupt. Oh, no. Um, so I know there's hazards, and there's lots of money to be made, but it's just more risk than I'm willing to take. And I know it's a lot of work. I, it's way more work than even I want to deal with, even if I'm getting another a general contractor to do all the work. I still have to monitor that stuff. I have to do my research on the in the neighborhood comps. It's uh, And let me say another thing. I know there's a lot of gamblers in the flipping industry. It seems like in the past year or two, there were people who were buying homes sight unseen. I mean, they just bought the home saying, okay, I'm going to buy the home. I'm going to flip it. And to me, that's just, I mean, really, things were getting really crazy a couple of years ago. It was happening as recently as 12 months ago, Lynn. I don't even know. It was a couple okay. of years yeah. ago. So, I mean, crazy. <laughs> Yeah, Crystal, you were shaking your head about flipping. I assumed that that head shake meant that you're not you're not about flipping property either. No, just because like exact same thing Len said. It's like when you see these people on TV, you're like, man, I could do this if I had the same construction crew, you know, and a TV production budget. I feel like <laughs> exactly. they have these extra unrealistic things that I'll never find. Like I'm still trying to get someone to come finish work. It seems like they'll finish like 95% and then like that last bit it takes forever to reach that finish line. It's like, I won't have a crew like that. It seems to me that as an engineer, uh, because Crystal, I know you're an engineer, Len's an engineer, 
uh, you'd be thinking about the whole process, like setting up this process and you could set up this thing where you, you find the people, right. That, that maybe the first house sucks and the second house sucks, but you slowly find the people and you end up with a crew. Have you ever thought through the machine of maybe getting a house flipping machine going? In theory, that is perfect. And there are people, I don't know if they're bipolar people or what, but they'll <laughs> come, they'll show up and do an excellent job one time. And then that next time you're like, you know, wh wh where'd you come from? So it's not a consistent industry, I think, in general. And it's a hit and a miss. And then you don't want to run out money. Like Lynn was saying, you know, the person that had the seven properties, you know, imagine, you know, life's great, it's going well. And then one turn, Goodbye portfolio, you know, goodbye savings, goodbye everything you worked for. My son, to your point, Crystal, my son owns 15 properties. He's working at finishing off four right now. Oh. And his general contractor, who's been with them since pretty near the start, all of a sudden has done exactly what you said. And he's now in <laughs> Detroit working full-time for Microsoft and then after hours going out to his houses and oh, trying no. to duct tape the situation with all these <sighs> subcontractors because the general has just gone nuts. The next piece here, it says is passive turnkey rental income. I don't want to talk about turnkey first. Let's just talk about owning rental houses. Crystal, this is what you do mostly now is rental housing. Right. And it, it has its good days and bad days. First of the month, assuming they pay, that's a great day. But when they're calling, I had renters move to the area from California and we're, I'm in the DC area and they were calling, complaining about, they're like, hey, we have the heat on 80 and it won't go past 70. And, and I'm like, why is the heat on 80 in the first place? But <laughs> I had to stop what I was doing to try to find someone to accommodate that they wanted the temperature at 80 freaking degrees. So this turnkey thing, it has a way of backfiring on you sometimes because they find things you would never find. I would have never had my heat above 70 degrees, but you know, the Californians came in and I didn't realize that was just something that you never think about. So it's a lot of phone calls to take and you don't know what they're going to say when they're calling also. And then you can't not answer because you want your rent. <laughs> yeah. Len, for you, it sounds like this is why you don't do the rental income. It's exactly why I don't, that, you know, that's not me. I got better things to do with my time <laughs> than go fix heaters or, or whatever. Although I will say, Crystal, that sounds like your tenants sound like my grandma. I'd go to my grandma's house. It'd be the same thing. You'd walk in the house. It'd be like a blast furnace in there. You know, you'd be like, geez, grandma, come on. What are you doing? Can you I can't breathe? get warm. I can't get and warm. she'd still have a shawl on. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, oh, gee, you know that the author of this piece isn't talking about that. He's talking about passive turnkey rental income, meaning somebody else is doing the work, right? There's somebody mm -hmm. else and you're just putting money in it. And hey, I own the rental house along with this person doing the work who's getting a cut of it. What do you think about those ideas? But you still have to manage that person too. When we had the property, we live in Texas. We had a property in Michigan and we had, uh, you know, it was a small town. There were two property managers in town. The first one we used was awful. And the second Darn one was not as awful. So we had to Darn use the it. second one. And there were times where, you know, he would just say, oh yeah, we had to fix such and such a thing. It was... 3,200 bucks. And then I would say, well, didn't we agree that the most we could spend was 500 without a conversation? Oh yeah. Sorry about that. Well, I figured you wanted to get this thing rented. Plus I think that when you have these other folks who have different incentive structures, I think you run into some issues. For example, 
the property manager gets 10% of the new leases. Makes sense, right? Like they're out there, they find the lease, they vet the person, they do the background check, they do all that sort of stuff. That's great. What's the incentive for them to renew the lease? Mm. Not really any, right? They would rather kick that person out, leave it vacant for a year, or I'm sorry, for a month or two, and then charge another 10% of the, or the first month's lease, basically. Just kind of a different incentive structure. So like Crystal was saying, you can get that whole team of people and that's fantastic. But then one day that team changes and they go, yeah, you're not a big client anymore. Or, oh yeah, I forgot about it. Or um, all sorts of stuff. And if you're DC working in Chicago or Texas trying to do business in Michigan, it's like, you still have to be there. You still have to be an active participant to Lens Point. You still have to be there. Well, coming up in the second half of this discussion, we're going to talk about some other ideas when it comes to real estate. They talk about partnerships. They talk about private money lending. We'll discuss those. We'll talk about areas that are missing, that are weirdly missing, because there's other ways to own real estate than what's in this piece. But before that, I was super happy that I earlier this week got to sit down with Angelo Poli from MetPro. If you're somebody who's working on 2023 goals, seems like every year we're working on, you know what, I'm going to start a workout routine. I'm actually going to take care of myself this year. You know, no, I didn't do it the last seven years in a row, but hey, I can always start now. Angelo Poli is going to help us get it together. Let's say hi to Angelo. Well, I love the fact that here, just a few days into the new year, we have the gentleman we talked to bringing in 2022 strong by getting us through a lot, just the for a lot of people, the most hectic month of the year. Now it's time to set up 2023. Angelo Poli from MetBros here. How are you, man? Hey, buddy. I'm fabulous. Great to hear from you. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> well, happy 2023 to you. And I know you are all about goal setting. If there's anything I know about Angelo Poli, it's laying out goals and achieving those goals like you're set it up and knock it down. I like me a good goal, Joe. That's what you got to have. I like progress. And for progress, you have to have a goal. Yeah. Well, what's that phrase, right? If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. Hey, we got some great questions from our stackers in our Facebook group. By the way, if anybody wants to join the Facebook group, it's stackybedjamins.com slash basement. Get you there quickly. It's just uh, Joe's mom's basement on Facebook. But Allison... Allison has a question. She said, I'd love to hear Angelo's thoughts on intermittent fasting. This has been the crave the last few years. A lot of people talk intermittent fasting. What do you think, Angelo? Okay. So a uh, lot of research on this. As a matter of fact, I one of the projects at MetPros, we were doing a research paper where we were evaluating a number of, actually it was 41 different peer-reviewed studies and research papers, uh, meta-analysis on all of the major strategies that are common when it comes to weight loss. So that included calorie restriction, carbohydrate restriction, exercise, of course, and then periodization. We won't go into that. That's a little bit more technical, but let's just take the first two. What the studies have clearly shown is that while there are some impacts when it comes to glycogen uptake, hormone sensitivity with intermittent fasting from a pure calories in, calories out, weight loss standpoint, intermittent fasting is going to roughly mirror very, very similar results. This is a, not according to me. This is according to 
all of the research out there, it's going to roughly mirror and equate to the amount of calories that you restrict. So here's what that means. Does that mean, oh, intermittent fasting isn't a real thing? No, that's not what it means. It is a real thing. It is a method, an expression, a means of calorie restriction. So when they compared, for example, simply a reduced calorie diet where they took a group of people and they just, you know, cut X amount of calories, 600 calories a day, then they compared that with a 5-2 intermittent fasting or 16-8 or all the different strategies that are common to the intermittent fasting community. What they found is as long as the end of the week total calories restricted were the same, the results were approximately the same. But... They found in some cases with the intermittent fasting group, it was an easier model of calorie restriction, and I will explain why that is. It's an easier model, and there's some upside and some downside. It's an easier model because what's the easiest meal of the day to restrict calories? What do you think, Joe? What's the easiest meal of the day to either skip or not eat as much at? What's the least painful? Well, just thinking about this, I make mistakes in the evening and in my energy levels high in the morning. So I'm guessing breakfast is the easiest one. Yeah. The breakfast is the easiest because what happens is until you eat breakfast, breakfast stands for break fast. You're, you're actually in a fasting state and your appetite in most cases is somewhat subdued early in the morning. So extending the fasting window when you first wake up instead of eating in the first hour, going, well, I'm not going to eat for the first three or four or five hours is actually for most people less painful. So it often equates to a lower total caloric intake. That's the upside. The downside is from a metabolic standpoint, what most people aren't considering is that the winning scenario is not weight loss by reduced calories. I know that that's a profound statement, <laughs> but that paints you into a corner if you think about that concept of I'm going to lose weight by continually reducing and just finding ways to eat less and less and less, that will result in some weight loss, but the weight loss will persist only as long as you are gaming the system and finding strategies to restrict intake. That is a short-sighted strategy and not a long-term strategy that I would promote. The long-term winning strategy is your metabolism needs to be revved up so that way your metabolic set point, your standard, is running gradually higher and hotter and your body is becoming a more expensive calorie and fat burning machine. That is done through periods of calculated increases in energy expenditure paired with the right foods at the right time. And the fastest way to add calories without gaining weight is actually to do what more the fitness and bodybuilding community does, Allison, and that is to spread meals out more across the day. Again, I don't want you to look at this as a good or bad scenario because that's not what this is. It's simply understand what you're implementing when you take uh, an approach. I find intermittent fasting to be effective for the people who tend to eat the worst. In other words, if you're eating a junk food breakfast and then you're eating junk food for lunch and you're not eating a very healthy dinner, simply skipping breakfast and eating junk food for lunch and junk food for dinner is going to cut out a third of your calories. If you're already in that state where you're eating reasonably clean, 
I think that there are methods and approaches that are going to give you more leverage to implement either alongside with intermittent fasting or in step with that you can implement uh, that's going to get you some results. So hopefully, Allison, that helps clear it up at least a little bit what it is and what it isn't. It's calorie restriction. And if implemented properly, it can result in some weight loss. But metabolically, it could paint you into a corner. We focused on, when we talked to you in December, we really talked about diet mostly. I want to switch over to the other piece that we, we talk about not quite as much, but is equally as important, which is exercise. Our friend yep. Josiah asked, Josiah says, what's the simplest but efficient workout routine every day for somebody who's a desk jockey, spends all day at oh. the desk, Angelo? What do I, what, what do I do to get the motor revved? Josiah, the answer to that question is, it depends. <laughs> the answer, <laughs> it depends. And so these are the type of things that whenever we visit with, with our clients in our early conversations, going back to what you were saying, Joe, goal setting is we need to know where you're at and where you want to go. So the answer to that question depends on if you are at a healthy weight and you're looking to improve simply vitality and performance or are you looking for an activity that will offset <laughs> inclining weight, increasing weight? Because the, the answer is two different things. However, to give you a simple answer of something that you can do where you're sitting at a desk and you have uh, a few minutes to take a break and do an activity where I'm assuming we're not getting dressed, driving in the car down to the gym and doing a full boot camp. What we're doing is something at home or at the office that you can do in a few minutes. I am a big fan of any sort of simple access to easy machines that you like that help you to do cardiovascular activity combined with some body weight movements. For example, in the MetPro app, we have an entire category that's called cardio circuits, and they take very little experience, very little skill. It's okay, I have a treadmill. I'm going to walk on the treadmill at this incline, at this intensity for four minutes, and then I'm going to do a basic circuit that's going to hit all the major muscle groups. I'm going to do squats. I'm going to do push-ups. I'm going to do crunches. And then I'm going to do another four minutes incline walking on a treadmill. And I'm going to do that three times. And I've done the whole workout in 18 minutes, and I got a full body routine in. If I had to pick one model that's going to kind of check all the boxes that's right squarely in the middle... I love that model. If you don't have access to a treadmill, an elliptical machine, a, a bike or whatever, then you can substitute some body weight movements that are aerobic in nature. For example, activities like a simple stair step, an incline walk if you have access outdoors, a jumping jack, a partial range of motion lunge, uh, body weight squats, dips. These are movements that are fairly easy to execute and are going to skyrocket your heart rate that you could do for maybe 60 seconds or two minutes. And then if you're advanced, boy, there's a host of different things you can do. I tell some people, you know, you could do some shadow boxing. You'd be amazed at how that'll escalate the heart rate in just 60 seconds. Do a round of three minutes and you're going to be huffing and puffing. Add some lunges and push-ups to that. And you got an advanced little program you could do anywhere. So hopefully, Josiah, that'll give you a few items, a few uh, a few things to think about. What I encourage you to do, Josiah, is make a list of your goals, where you're at, what you want to accomplish. And if you have any questions, reach out to us 
And then we could give you hyper-specific recommendations based on what you actually want to accomplish rather than me saying it depends. <laughs> well, and I, but I love your answer that it does depend. But I have an additional question. For the basic person just starting off, Angela, how important is, is it to just get those steps in every day? I always start there. And I start there, but I'm biased towards who's coming to me. So about 88% of the calls we get are from weight loss clients. I have been in every aspect of the fitness industry, the nutrition industry that you can imagine. I mean, training pro athletes all the way to wellness and corporate health. I've spanned it all. And I can tell you definitively that the most common request that we get in every single scenario, even for athletes, is body composition and weight loss. Now, maybe that moves when you're in an athletic setting. Maybe that moves down from 85, 90% of requests down to 65, 70%. But I'm always assuming somebody that comes wants to remove some body fat. That seems to be the most challenging aspect that causes people to seek professional help from an expert. So with that in mind, I will very commonly assign aerobic activity as the number one focus right out of the gate, but know that the goal is going to be in time to bring it back to a balance where there's a combination between some steps and aerobic activity and some muscular conditioning. That is always the goal, no matter who you are, where you are, but how much emphasis we place, again, is going to be determined by, like you said, where we're starting and what your specific goals are. Yeah. So the steps are just a foundation that you're going to build on. Foundation. Yeah. That's it. Uh, we have time for one more and I think we're going to answer Maggie's question here. Uh, my friend Maggie in South Florida. Good to hear from Maggie. Maggie says, how important is it to track macros versus calories? I bet a lot of people don't know what macro counting even is. Sure. That is a great question, Maggie. Macros are going to be your, your protein, carbs, fats, and the ratios that you're getting, and it, that can be either as a weekly basis, a daily basis. Now, if, if you're a MetPro client, you're doing it on a meal-by-meal -meal basis. Meal-by-meal. Well, technology yeah. does it for you um, because we, we want all those analytics. And if you're tracking your macros by gram, then it's simply a mathematical equation. You've also, by default, tracked your calories. But sometimes what people are doing when they ask a question similar to this, really what they're saying is, should I just count carbs or do I need to track everything? As with almost all things, that which is measured can be improved. So I would say, if possible, you want more data, not less data. So both, Maggie, if possible, both. And if you're, if you're fully tracking your macros, then you're going to just by default, you know, Protein and carbohydrates is four calories per gram. Fats, there's nine. Alcohol, there's seven, right? So you're going to have, by extrapolation, your total caloric intake, and you really want to know both. So what I'm going to be looking at as just a blanket, if I were to start with someone and I'm just shooting from the hip, here's what we're going to adjust to trigger early weight loss or early performance gains. I'm going to want to identify what's your average daily caloric intake and how much of those calories are coming from carbohydrates versus protein and fats. And then based on that equation, I'm going to know where I have the most leverage. Do I have a little bit more leverage to manipulate your macros? Usually that means cut carbs. 
or do I have more leverage maintaining your carbohydrate intake, because that's a very viable approach, and simply reduce excess calories, and usually that's coming from excess fats and or sugars. And almost always, here's a little deeper insight, Maggie, it's going to be a combination of both. We're just going to determine which to lean into more. So that's kind of another feather in the cap of where possible, track as much as you can. Answered like a gentleman who uh, takes a very scientific approach to this, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just throw darts at the board back here, you know. Right, right. Today you're going to do exercise. Oh, look at that. Oh, crap. Sorry. It is going to be mountain climber day and I feel bad yeah. for you. No. Yeah, not at all. Uh, speaking of that, let's dive in because Angelo, you've known me for a while now and I, I do better with coaching, which is why I think uh, I get along so well with Jesse, my Met Pro coach. Let's talk about what you guys do because coaching is specifically what you guys do when it comes to health and wellness. It's so funny because I we, we have been in this industry so long now. When we first started in the industry, I had to explain what private coaching for fitness really was. It's, it's your nutrition. It's your lifestyle. It's your timing. It's your time management. It's the whole shebang. Nowadays, there are so many programs out there where you just add a click of the button for, you know, $9.99. You can download, you know, this bodybuilder's workout plan and this. So what it is, it's an expert that's not just an expert on his or her personal experience in the gym, but it's an expert who has stayed up to date on the latest research, always up to date on the latest research and what's the cutting edge in science and sophistication in the industry and has experience in the trenches working with all sorts of individuals that range from fast metabolisms to slow metabolisms to high performers to people who are just getting started and we have realistic expectations of what each body type situation scenario can provide and so when you have someone who's in the trenches with people day in and day out what you're going to get is really a breadcrumb trail where it's not just a bunch of haiku and a bunch of good sayings that are inspirational that's important too by the way but actually is going to be backed up with, yeah, let's not eat that for breakfast. Let's eat this for breakfast. And here's how much of this we should really be having. And if you don't like this, here are three other options that will add up to the same macronutrient ratio. And I know you're traveling and busy at lunch, so we can't plan out every detail. But here's what I want you to avoid. And here's what I want you to look for on the go. And, and actually the breadcrumb strategy so that we can say, I want to see you down a pound and a half by this time Tuesday. And if not, we're going to do this, this and this. So they're really going to work closely with you day in and day out to make sure that you get the specific results that your coach has been hired for. And that's going to mean that there's going to be some, you know, knocking on the door and some accountability. It can be yes. a little uncomfortable at times, but that is the fun and pleasure that is accountability and working with a coach that, that knows their stuff. So, and, and that makes my life better when I have a little bit of friction with Jesse <laughs> and Jesse gets her way. Uh, my met pro coach, I find my life is better. I said this the last time we were together. She just reminds me that food is fuel and, um, and it, and it just helps so, so much. And then get those workouts in. And I have to tell you, by the way, Angelo, in the hotel rooms that I was in, 
when I was yeah. traveling a lot, those MetPro workouts with Jesse's help saved my bacon. Uh, Just totally awesome. saved my bacon. Yeah, because you're kind of lost. You're like, what do I do? I'm at the Holiday Inn Express in Nameless yep. City. Oh, I got my app right here. It shows me exactly how to do it. Like it was super. Yeah. The people go to metpro.co slash SB, metpro.co slash SB, and you will have, you will get an evaluation. You'll have some time with a coach and they will walk you through whether you, you've explained this in December, Angelo, whether you guys are the right solution or not, they'll give you some time and help you along the way, which I think is a fantastic way to start the year. Angelo, thank you for helping us kick off 2023. Here's to a great year together, my friend. Thanks so much, Joe. It was an honor being here. Well, this weekend, Stackers, if you're planning for not just the following week, but for 2023 and all the great things you're going to do, well, partner up with Navy Federal Credit Union in a variety of ways. First of all, to help pay down credit card debt, you could get a low intro APR on balance transfers to lower your interest rate with their platinum credit cards, their lowest rate card and a great tool to help you pay less interest to quote the man, right? While you're paying down debt. Navy Federal can also help you get started on that next home improvement project in 2023. They offer a home equity line of credit with convenient access to funds when you need them at a variable rate. You can also get a fixed rate equity loan that has set monthly payments for large purchases. Consolidating debt with home equity loan could also streamline and lower your monthly payments. So if this weekend you're becoming the CFO of your domain of your financial house, you're becoming the stacker who's going to win in 2023, get a debt plan together and learn more at navyfederal.org. Our members are the mission insured by NCUA equal housing lending membership required loan subject to approval. Call 1-888-842-6328 for details about credit costs and terms. HELOC APR is low as 6.5% as of November 23rd, 2022. Well, if you're new to Stacky Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. 
Welcome back to the second half of this discussion. This one's brought to you by Magnify Money. Crystal Hammond, you know what happens when you go to stackybenjamins.com slash magnify money? I turn into a magnified money. Oh, so close. So, <laughs> so, so, so very not close Just in any one. stretch of the imagination. <laughs> What you find is those brick and mortar savings products you use every day, savings accounts, checking accounts, CDs, not anywhere near what some of the online banks are offering. Magnify Money looks at 92% of all of the online banks out there, compares them head to head, stackybenjamins.com slash magnify money. New year, new you. Going to think about not just doing what Angelo talked about earlier, but also maybe get a better savings account, better checking account, stackybenjamins.com slash magnify money. All right, back to our real estate discussion, private money lending. I'm going to read you exactly what Sean writes here. This is one of my personal favorites, he writes. Private money lending is by far the most passive form of real estate investing there is and offers wonderful returns. I personally lend my money out to an individual I met through various real estate networking platforms and began developing a relationship with them through various conversations via text, email, and phone calls. He lives in Oregon and invests in Indiana by building a portfolio of single family rentals. I lend my money at various interest rates and he goes on from there. He says you can make up to between 10 and 20% annually. Len Penzo, this seems like a dream come true. I take my money, I hand it to the dude in Oregon. Tell me, this is fantastic. You know what? I saw that and I was like, is this, is this for real? I mean, I, I would question, uh, maybe it is, maybe it's worth it, but you know, when I somebody says, "Oh, you're going to get 20 percent returns, pr- pretty much, uh, no problem," you know that throws up all kinds of red flags for me. I'd, I'd be really wary of lending any large amount of money to somebody who's going to offer me 20 percent returns, no problem. I mean, that just—I don't know, man. That's uh, that that seems a little a little not kosher to me. And that's why I decided to lend it to Doug for just 12 percent. <laughs> yes, no. That was a great deal. I'm still happy with that deal. (laughs) (laughs) Great deal for everybody. Win, 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 win. Crystal, private money lending, what do you think? I think that there's a lot of due diligence that would have to happen because how many people are Western unioning money to, you know, Nigerians or, you know, princes and, and husbands, you know, and, you know, bailing your grandkids out of jail. They're like, no, my grandkids are right here. They're not in jail, you know, in Europe. So... I I wouldn't trust just handing over that large amount of money to someone I met around some real estate circles like that. That's just not happening. Oh, gee, I was pretty surprised to even see this in this piece, because to me, this isn't even real estate investing. Your private money lending, which is uh, 20 degrees more risk, I think, than your average putting a stake in the ground. Yeah, but I also know a lot of people who do this and have had just wild success with it. I'm sure just like anything, they like to talk about all the successful times and uh, sweep under the rug the ones that blow up. But I think the key to it is, like anything else, it's who you're doing business with. You know, If you have connected mm-hmm. with uh, real estate investors who do have that team, who do have a track record of having success, yeah, you're, you're going to have some risk in there, but the return ought to be commensurate with that risk. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I did have an offer through a client, you know, it was kind of a third party type deal where, where the client was like, Hey, if you're interested, I can get you involved in this group. And you know, you can make like 6% a year. And I'm like, 6%, the bank charged me 6% on the last mortgage I got. 
<laughs> if you want six percent, you got to go to the bank. If you're going to the bank, OG oh, meters <laughs> running, you know, because I don't have the diversification that Chase Bank does to be able to take that risk. So there's a gimme and a gotcha there. You can get probably double the returns of regular lending, you know, through the bank, but it's less for the borrower too. Because what's their alternative? Credit cards. That's where they're at. They're mm-hmm. like, I can put, do a cash advance on my visa at twenty eight percent. Or it can cut you into a third of the profits on this flip that I plan on doing and give you 12% interest on the money while we wait, you know, type of deal. So like anything, you got to know who you're doing business with. Yeah. Well, and I think who you're doing business with, Crystal, comes down to what you're saying. That's the due diligence you were talking about, I think. And I also think just to jump into something we talked about earlier, when people were buying property sight unseen, sometimes people buy the zip code too. So if you saw a still and it's like Beverly Hills, you're like, no matter what you put in, that's still going to come out to be a great deal. So I could see people buying zip codes just depending on, you know, what the deal is and where it is. Location, location, location. Wouldn't that scare the hell out of you? Not in Beverly Hills. Well, but what if you're buying the lot that has the underground gas tanks, the EPA problems in Beverly Hills on that one corner that nobody buys because of the cleanup effort? So then maybe you can turn it into a, uh, what would look well there, a gas station or something? <laughs> gas station. <laughs> food, do food trucks. I don't know. Len? Well, I've seen the thing where they'll buy sight unseen and then the home, they get there and the home is like, none of the rooms are square. The ground underneath the home is shifting. It's on the verge of being red tagged. And you've got what you thought was going to be X dollars for your flip suddenly becomes Add another hundred, two hundred thousand dollars while you get the uh, civil engineers in there and to totally shore up the home. That's exactly these- what happened to ours, Len, last year. Oh, is it? Exact same scenario. It was, and it wasn't sight unseen. It was, here's what we think is the case. And then you, the contractors got in there and went, oh, 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 you didn't know that this was broken and this was broken. And while we're digging this out, we probably ought to dig this out too. And the profit number just kept declining. Yeah. Let's talk about your best real estate tip for people or a type of real estate that, because OG, you talked about everybody maybe getting into real estate, having some in your portfolio, especially Doug. What's a good way to get into real estate for the average person? Well, I think it all depends on what your temperament is. If you've got the temperament of a Len or a Doug, you know, kind of lazy, retired, (laughs) just want to sit around and not do a lot of anything. Len, that is 96% directed at me. I know it is. No, it, take that no it's not. No, it's as personally not. as it sounds. I am equally <laughs> distributing the, uh, the uh, whatever that is. The, the, the love. The love. The, yeah. You know, if the only reason that private real estate has a better return is because of the leverage factor. And the reason that the private real estate has a better return is because of the leverage factor. You have to lever up to get a return better than the stock market. Otherwise, just put the money in stocks or put the money in a REIT. The same thing is applied to your stock portfolio. If you want, you can lever the heck out of that too. You know, Schwab will let you do it. They love lending money. But we don't see that as a prudent use of risk. We see taking an 80% loan on on a property as a prudent use of risk. So if you're more hands-on, I don't see there being any problem with owning a rental property, owning a duplex or a triplex. What I think is most interesting is what Crystal did, which is to say, wait a second, I'm just going to go buy this place. I can live there and 
dang near live rent-free almost. I mean, 20 cents on the dollar, like you said. Meanwhile, you get all the tax deductions, you get all the credits. And in a couple of years from now, if you want to do that again, you can. The tax code allows you to do that every every couple of years. If I was starting out, that's probably how I would handle it, is, is how Crystal did it. Would you do it that way again, Crystal? Wish that would have been a thing is that- a long time ago. Yeah. Oh, yes, definitely. And then I like that OG added, hey, and you can keep doing it over and over again. But I would tell people also, like, do your homework, ask people. It is funny because when, when the place was actually coming for sale, I knew friends who were in real estate. So I was like, hey, can I go talk to one of your real estate friends and maybe they'll buy the place and, you know, charge me a reasonable rent. And someone was like, why don't you buy the place? And I was like, oh, I didn't think I could, you know, buy a duplex. So surround yourself with some people that know more than you about different, you know, this actual subject, or talk to somebody that does flipping, does the passive, does the private money lending. And that way you can hear some stories from the horse's mouth of what actually happened. Just do do some homework, do some research, and then pick your own comfort level. Do what seems natural or what makes sense to you. Well, and I was surprised on that note that, OG, you didn't say REIT was like the best way for the average person to just get in. That's what I did say at the very beginning. I said, if you don't have the temperament, or if you do have the temperament of the the two, the three, frankly, the three older gentlemen on this podcast, then, um, wow, he's just angry. Ninja. Shots fired. Ninja with the compliments. Get off our lawn. OG. I know, right? Yes. I just had a birthday and I swear I feel like I'm inching closer to you. And then I see you guys on screen. I'm like, I'm nowhere near it. So I'm good. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently, oh, <geez>. t- <laughs> apparently 12 years yeah. of working together and neither one of us OG listened to each other. So there, there we go. Yeah. I like that idea. Len, in your 401k, uh, when you're working, you must add access to a REIT. You know what? I did not have any access to REITs in my 401k. But now I've retired and I've moved all those funds out into my own uh, rollover IRA. I, I Now I can do that kind of thing. And you know what? That is the way to go for the lazy people. You set it and kind of forget it and watch it. That's one good way. Another thing I don't know if I might be interested in one day is if I ever sold my house, it would be like to carry back the loan. That would be kind of a cool way to uh, to make a little- like a. Uh- what do they call that? Uh, reverse mortgage? Or seller no. financing? Well, no, no, no. no. That's where, where yeah, like a seller I would finance. sell the house and I would carry the loan myself. So, and if they defaulted, then I'm getting the payments. And, and if they default, hey, I got my house back. That, that's always kind of intrigued me as a possibility maybe one day. And you'd lend it to somebody. I know you well enough, Len, to know you would lend it to somebody with the crappiest credit of all time, hoping like <laughs> hell you get the property back. Hey, okay, enough. To, you're giving away all my secrets. That's right. Like That's, uh, you would become the Bank of America. The lower the credit score, the better. Yes. <laughs> That's right. I'm sorry. Your credit score is above 530. I can't accept you. <laughs> we had a situation years ago uh, where I was working with a client who had leased a property that she had owned to another family. And, you know, just kind of that same deal. She owned it free and clear. So she was just renting it. And then when she passed away, all the beneficiaries got together and said, well, we want to sell the house. You know, we don't want to deal with this. This is grandma's deal. So the people who are living there, so kind of, can we lease to own it? You know, we can't come up with the down payment today, but we can do it over the course of the next five years. And so we worked with an attorney on like, what, what is the maximum interest rate that you can charge? Like as an incentive, it was basically like, yeah, I'll, I'll lend you the money, but it's, 
you'll be better off trying to get it from, you know, yeah. the guy at this corner or the bank or something. So as know? quick as they can, they'll refinance you out of it. Yeah. And they didn't. It was like to the day at five years, they were like, oh crap, we got to, we got to do something because it was a balloon. It was a five-year balloon. Oh. And so meanwhile, the client had this property that had basically had not gone down in value because the interest rate was so high. All they were paying was interest for, for five years. Like mm. it was, it was a great, it was a great deal. And so you should do that. Just look up <laughs> usury rates in California and find out what the most you can charge. Unbelievable. Like Shark Tank. Hey, you know, Joe, forgive me if I'm taking us either backwards or down a rabbit hole. We shouldn't, but we've said several times you can diversify your portfolio through REITs. But I think for people who are not familiar with REITs, it's important to know that many REITs, most REITs have a specific type of real estate in them. It may be a REIT that's all commercial property. It may be a REIT Mm -hmm. that's all retail properties. It could be apartment buildings and, you know, in residential, just in, in inner cities and apartment buildings or whatever. But it's important to know that when you say, I want to get into a REIT because you may still not be diversifying from a real estate perspective because you could be getting into a part of the real estate market that's maybe a little bit risky right now for various reasons. So yeah. you're going to want to dive into that and figure out how you can be re- diversified. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Doug. Thanks for bringing that up. Between that point and Crystal, your point earlier about uh, surrounding yourself with people in any one of these areas, we really just tiptoed through a lot of real estate. We did not give you any type of 201 today. But once you figure out the one that you like, going much deeper on it and REITs, you know, Doug, there were REITs back in the day that I recommended that were all nursing homes. I mean, you had 100% nursing homes and assisted living facilities, and then other ones that were uh, ski resorts, you know, that totally different type of real estate responds differently to different uh, stimuli and different economic situations. So great stuff there. I think that's going to put a great pin on it for today. Uh, Let's talk about what each of you are doing where you live. Oh, gee, this fine mid-January weekend. What do you got coming up? I'm in the Caymans. Oh, show off. Yeah. That's all That's I need tough. to say. Yeah, OG's delivering money, Doug, to the Caymans. He's he's taking <laughs> taking some cash down to his banker. He watched Air America, and he's like, "I'm in." <laughs> I got. I'm I know not doing that. I'm enjoying a little bit of uh, spouse time with Mrs. OG at our favorite uh, event, the Cayman Cookout. So, if you happen to be at the Cayman Cookout and listen to this, you know, hmm. hit me in the DMs. What are you, what are you cooking? I don't actually. Do. Oh, golly, there's lawless. Oh, we have some grilled octopus. Um, Doug, you walked into lionfish, caviar. You walked into it. It's quite the thing. It is paella. At some of the best chefs on earth, Dominique Mm. Crenn was there a couple years ago. Yeah, there this year too. I was picturing him walking into a Breaking Bad RV in some (laughs) desolate lot, (laughs) cooking something else. My whitey tighties. (laughs) <laughs> my whitey tighties with a gas mask on in yeah. the big rubber gloves. It is exactly that, but the RV is a Ritz Carlton. Yes. Oh. Same thing. It's, it's exactly yes. like that. Yes. Tomato, tomato. Right. And the gas mask instead is very expensive. Uh, alcohols. Yes. Very much the same. Fun times. The desert instead is a high end beach. Seven mile Island. Wow. Len, try to, you thought Len that following <laughs> Paula was bad. How about trying to follow that? What's going on at lempenzo.com? Oh, gosh. You know what? We uh, tackle the pros and cons of Dave Ramsey's 
debt snowball method. Oh, boy. So uh, I actually think I have more cons than pros for it. But anyways, I go out there and uh, I take my swipe at Dave Ramsey. So come on, Dave. Come on, Dave Ramsey. Come on back and tell me why I'm wrong. We learned last summer the number of stackers that just the second you say anything negative about Mr. Ramsey. <laughs> yes, I know. It's, it's not I good. Know, but that's what we do at Lenpenzo.com. We're the anti-establishment over here. You so pot stir. Stop on yes. Time. Yeah, that's that's what I try to do. Well, Crystal Hammond, thank you so much for hanging out with us this lovely Friday. It was oh, great doing it. I, also, by the way. Thank you for making sure we don't start a podcast called Stacking Tweeds. I think that's probably. You are very welcome. Pleasure is all mine. So what's going on at So So Fab? Oh, so um, people are banging down the door for more sewing classes. So I'm trying to get that to happen because they are harassing me, low-key harassing me. That is good news, by the way, isn't it? When you're being harassed, to I'm do still your- in vacation mode. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't started the new year yet, so I'm I've been dragging. <laughs> and in my lots, I've been doing the tango. It's like you take one step forward, two steps back, then a few to the side, to the side. So still doing that tango. <laughs> and uh, people can find you at so so fab. It's s e w s o f a b dot com. Yes, Crystal. My, I think I might join the next one because I had a zipper on. One of my favorite pairs of pants broke, and it just seems. <laughs> I find it's more comfortable when the zippers no, are broke. Joe. <laughs> no, no, no. You're no. Not, you can't. No. You can't show up on the Zoom class. And, no, guys, can you help me with this, weirdo? Oh God. That was his way of telling us he he has a weight loss challenge for the new year. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, yeah, if that's how you want to read that. <laughs> All right, on that note, we got to get the hell out of here. Got to get out of here. Cut, cut, please cut. Doug, what should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, take some advice from our roundtable discussion. Real estate? Sure, it's a great piece of your portfolio, but there's no need to go all in on any single investment. Second, while there's potential for big returns owning real estate and rental properties, there's also potential for even bigger headaches. Be sure you're willing to be, as OG says, an active participant before diving into any investment that might require that. But the big lesson? Okay, look, it's clear now I messed up in the open when I said OG was hosting our new sister show, Stacking Tweeds. I think I misread it. It's Stacking Steeds. It's like some kind of investment scheme with racehorses, and I don't, I don't know what, but I'm in, OG. I'm all in. I'm riding those ponies with you. Thanks to Crystal Hammond for joining us today. You'll find her helping budding fashion designers everywhere at sosofab.com. You know, it's spelled exactly like you'd expect it to be. It's probably, there's an S-E-W in there and an S-O in there, and You'll figure it out. And just go to our show notes. We always put links in there to make it easy for you. Stackingbenjamins.com. Thanks also to Len Penzo for joining us today. You can find Len at lenpenzo.com slash I don't do toilets. <laughs> Thanks also to OG for joining us today. Looking for good financial planning help? Head to stackingbenjamins.com slash OG for his calendar. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is written in part by Paulette Perhatch, who helps writers power their words, their work, and their earning potential with her Powerhouse Writers Coaching Program starting January 24th. 
Find out more at powerhousewriters.com. Thanks also to our team who made today possible. Karen Repine plotted out this episode for us and schedules our guests. Kevin Bailey helps create our amazing newsletter, The 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of the show, and Gertrude Smith is our social media maven. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. Hey, you got to take that trivia trophy. If you're going to the Caymans or wherever, you got to take that with you. You know how like, they take the Stanley <laughs> Cup and it goes all over the place? You've got to get a whole bunch of pictures of you. Rose out of it. All over, wherever you, all year long, wherever rose. you're at, take some pictures and we'll make a collage of, of you with the trophy in various locations. You should, you think about that, OG? Take it with you. Show off your trophy. You should actually take it and show it to Dominique Crenn and say, hey, do you don't need to. It's uh, super glued right there. It's not going anywhere. Oh, it's super glued. <laughs> oh, that's rather presumptuous of you. Oh, the listen. Maybe to you the- can have Crystal come over and she can fix it. She's got the landlord. Uh, you know, you know how to do that, right? Crystal, go fix the the big old mess that's going to make when OG has to <laughs> rip that thing off his shelf. Oh, definitely. That'll be in the lease too. He'll have to pay for that. That's right. That, that's uh, extra. Off the uh, security deposit. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, OG, you sent this to me. This is uh, from the Daily Dot. This is actually something that a lot of people saw a TikTok video on. In a viral video, over 5.3 million views, TikTok user Wilhelm shared that he bought an <laughs> Apple time capsule, which is a router from a thrift store for 15 bucks. Did you know what we're talking about here, Len? Have you seen this? I, I haven't heard the story, but uh, keep going. I, I have. A, let's see where this goes. I think uh, so. He buys this thrift store router for fifteen bucks. What he didn't expect was that the last owner didn't delete anything off of his drive. Ooh. Len's going. I know better than that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's so scary when people do that. Frankly, I think about that Jim Gaffigan piece where he's got like three of his old computers around just because that's his photo collection. <laughs> like it's, it now holds all his old photos. Just just keeps those keeps those out there. Users in the comments section discuss the nightmare of a stranger having their personal information. FBI has entered the chat, one user commented. I'm just now remembering that I donated my time capsule without deleting it, another wrote. Bad idea, bro, for many reasons, the third user warned. In a second video, Wilhelm updates his followers regarding what he found on the time capsule. He clarifies the device has multiple backups of Don's computer from specific dates. Let's go sleuthing, he says, clicking on the most recent folder, which is August 4th, 2010. 
Among the items found, photos from the 1980s, tax and life insurance information, audit history, credit card numbers, flight information, and a bank account number. Based on all the information he found, Wilhelm says he believes Don was a business owner or a CEO who's worth millions of dollars. The TikToker also says Don has probably passed on and that he will likely delete Don's information as he feels uncomfortable having it. Do not donate your old technology to Goodwill, he warns at the end of the video. And to answer the question I know everyone's going to ask, there was porn. That is... Yeah, <laughs> the gift of that keeps on giving. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> he could be a millionaire, but he's still human. Yeah. I was thinking about all the personal stuff, not not the nasty stuff. I was thinking about all the old technology that you go, eh, it's old. Like how do you how do you dispose of that correctly? You just rip your computers apart? Well, actually that's one way to do it, OG. So there's a couple of things. I think most of us have drawers full of old iPhones and Blackberries and things that don't get used anymore. But those things, if you ever bought anything on there, very likely your credit card or, you know, anything you needed to supply to somebody online to buy something, that's on there too. Remember that amazing scene in office space? They're out in the field just beating the hell out of a printer copier. with yeah. a sledgehammer. Um, so that's what I recommend for that kind of stuff. Just put them all in a pile and then grab a sledgehammer and play Damn It's Good to Be a Gangsta in the background <laughs> and and just just wail on those things. For old PCs and maybe even old Macs, there's two things you can do. In both of those operating systems, there are there are ways to do complete factory resets where you can wipe the hard drives. They're not the most thorough thing. They're going to stop 95% of people who are looking to, to get stuff off of a hard drive. If you go through um, the native tools within the OS to totally wipe the hard drive, and you're going to want to do it a couple, three times using that native tool in the OS. You can also go buy buy external tools or third-party tools, I should say, to wipe your hard drive. You'll still want to do that two or three times, and you want to find one that actually replaces the data with zeros in its layering. That's probably the best thing you can do if you want to do it, I'll say, in a non-aggressive, you know, angry kind of way. But it's a hell of a lot of fun to pull the hard drive out of the laptop or out of the tower in an old PC and beat the hell out of it with a sledgehammer. I would highly recommend doing that. So that's pretty much it, though. I mean, because you, you, I'm thinking about computers that I have. Sorry. <laughs> he was playing the porn. He played, he played the, the porn. porn. Joe's yes. like, this is, the, this is the porn part. Hold on. Let me check on what, what was Don I'm into. I was trying to get the soundtrack on 70s retro porn. Bow. I was finding a clip we'll play later. And that's that. End it right there. Everybody laughing because Joe pulled up the porn. <laughs> hey, you got to take that trivia trophy. If you're going to the Caymans or wherever, you got to take that with you. You know how like, they take the Stanley Cup and it goes all over the place? You've got to get a whole bunch of pictures of you. Rosé out of it. Over, wherever you, all year long, wherever Rose. you're at, take some pictures and we'll make a collage of, of you with the trophy in various locations. Except your bedroom. <laughs> well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is military appreciation month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, 
you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.